0: On April 5th, I got my driver's license, and I was flying high. I was so pumped. All my friends came over to my parents' house. We took over the basement. We had a huge celebration. And the next morning, my mom had to go to work, and so I said, I'll drive you so that I could keep her rocking minivan Uh, for the day. We didn't have school, so I dropped my mom off at work. I went and picked up all my friends. We went and hung out. We went to fast food with no other adults. It was just us. It was the best. I dropped off my last friend, Oh, I forgot to mention, my mom made me bring my little brother with me for the whole day. But still, we were by ourselves, other than him. And so then I dropped off my last friend, and we were driving home. And what you don't know about my little brother is he is a type 1 diabetic. And so as I'm driving to the intersection of Oneida and Cormier, my little brother goes into a diabetic seizure riding shotgun. And so if you don't know what that is, you, like, start shaking, like, uncontrollably, like a regular seizure, and what has to happen immediately is sugar has got to enter your bloodstream. And so I'm, I'm at the light, and my brother's seizing right here, and I'm going to turn left because if I turn left and then I turn in, I would be at McDonald's and I could get him food. And so that's all I can think about, and I, the light is now, I'm waiting to turn left, and the light is now yellow. And I see a car, Okay. And that car is a ways away and I think to myself, the light's yellow, they're gonna stop. But they don't and so I turn left and they gun it to make the light. They T-bone my brother and I right there on less than 24 hours with my driver's license. I have totaled my mom's minivan. And I remember just the the feeling of being overwhelmed. My dad showed up on the scene. We went through everything that needed to happen. I realized that I was going to owe a lot of money. Now, I didn't have a job until the next week when my dad took me back to the corner of Oneida and Cormier, the exact corner that I totaled the minivan and made me go apply at Walgreens Pharmacy where I then got my very first job. My dad loved irony and so he thought, wouldn't it be fun for JL to have to literally work to pay back the minivan on the corner where she killed the minivan. And so that became my life for a long time. And I remember receiving my very first paycheck, it was $111 in some odd cents. And I remember looking at that paycheck and being like, wow, I feel kinda rich. And I remember thinking, okay, wait, I owe my dad $1,000, so I'm negative 900, actually. And then in that moment, I started to realize, also as my first real paycheck, I also, as a young Christian, I need to give God a tithe, or the first 10% of that money. And so I did the math, $111, that means I, I would owe God $11.10, and I started figuring out what I had. But it was clear to me that I needed to tithe. Now if you're not familiar with the word tithe, tithe, this is it in the Bible dictionary, tithe literally is a noun, and it means the tenth part of anything. So a tithe equals one tenth. And so in the olden days, before they had paper money, you would tithe the eggs your chicken legs chicken lays. You would tithe the fruit you grow on your tree. You would tithe the tomatoes in your garden. But in the modern days, hopefully, for the most part, you get paid in money as you get a job. If you mow your grandma's lawn, you might get paid in cookies. I don't know. But in the end, a tithe is a tenth of everything you make. And the Bible says that the tithe actually, the tenth actually belongs to God. It's the Lord's. And here's what it says in the Bible in Leviticus 27. It says, A tithe, or a tenth we learned, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and it is holy. So in our terms, we no longer have grains that we're working for, but we have dollar bills, right? And the Bible's teaching us that one tenth, one out of every 10 of those dollars, is actually considered holy. It's considered sacred, and it belongs to God. It's not even ours, it's not yours, it's not mine, it actually belongs to God. And so when I'm giving my tithe, I'm not actually giving a tithe, I'm returning the tithe to God. Imagine it this way. You're at the grocery store, right? And you see up ahead of you this lady, and she is stressing out. She's holding like a baby carrier. She's trying to wrangle this toddler that's spazzing out, and she's got a couple bags of groceries, and she's going to go home for dinner, and her toddler's grabbing at her purse, and out of her purse falls a wad of money. Now, you've clearly seen she's about five feet in front of you. You clearly saw the money fall out of her purse. So you pick up the money. What do you do? You return it to her because you're not a jerk, right? You saw that it's this poor mother in total crisis. That might be her food money. So you're not going to pick up that money and think, yeah, I have this money. I'm, I'm going to go buy a new PS2 game. I don't know. You're not going to pick up PS2. Who buys PS2 games? <laughs> you download them and it's PS5. Anyways, you pick up the wad of money. You never spend it. In your mind, you don't think this is my money. Instantly, reflexively, you recognize you need to return it to this poor mom who lost it. And so you call out to her. You say, hey, lady, I found your money. And you run up to her and you give it to her. You feel a little good that you've given her her money back, but also at the same time, you knew it was not yours to give or yours to keep. It was was to return. Now say you see when you get to that money that those kids are not being fed, they're not being cared for, and maybe in your own heart you, you start to feel like, wow, not only do I wanna return this money that I found, I wanna give some money to her, she's clearly struggling. You open up your wallet and you pull out a $20 bill and you add it to the money that has fallen on the ground. Now, have you given? Yes, you've returned and you've given. So the tithe, the first tenth, that's not ours to give, that's to return. And offering, the Bible says, is what we give on top of what we return. And that's kind of how we know. Now, you might be thinking, JL, it's awkward to talk about money here at 4640. Like, It's uncomfortable. I don't even have that much money. Why do you want my money? Why do you want to talk about money? And so I've wrestled with this as the lead pastor in 4640, thinking about should we talk about tithing? And we haven't in several years. But then I remembered... When I started tithing, and I started tithing at 15 years of age, at my very first, before my very first real job, Walgreens, but when I was babysitting and all that, and I heard a sermon by a pastor, and he stood up, he was a guest speaker, and he stood up at my Catholic church where I was going to church at the time, and he announced that if you give to God 2% of your money, that God will bless you and be happy. And I remember hearing that at age 15 and being like, that is untrue, that's a lie, And so I went up to that pastor afterwards at all of 15 years old, and I said, you you are lying to the people. You're telling them that if they give 2% of their money to God, that God will bless them and protect their money and be pleased with it, and that is untrue. And that important guest speaker at my church looked at me and said, you're right. I was afraid to tell the truth, and so I lied. Don't you ever do it. And so as I've been thinking about this sermon, I've thought, am I only saying this? Are they gonna look at me and say, jail you're just saying that because you're a pastor. Maybe you're gonna get a raise because you say something like this. All of those things are untrue. This has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that I believe that giving a tenth, returning a tenth of your money to God will cause you to be blessed and prosperous all of your life, and I want that for you. And so that's why I'm talking about it, not because it's my job. So here's what I want you to understand. Let's say that your money that you earn, you get... We have 10 bucks, $10, okay? So maybe you went and mowed your grandma's lawn. She hooked you up with $10. And so there's your money right there. And that money is now, you recognize now that you've learned about the idea of a tithe. The tithe of your $10 is... One dollar, right? So this is your tithe, okay? This dollar belongs to the Lord. And so you should return it to God. You should bring it to church, um, and you should somehow figure out how to get it to God. But let's just say you don't. Let's say you're tempted to take God's money and hide it in the middle of your own money. You shove that money that belongs to the Lord that you know should be returned to him, and you shove it in your own money. Here's the truth. God's money will be consumed by the kingdom work. It will be burned up by God's principles. And so if you take that one dollar bill that belongs to God or the tithe and you put it amongst your own money, all that you have will end up consumed. All that you have will be burned up because you cannot separate what is holy from sacred when God sends the consuming fire upon it. It's unfortunate, right? But have you ever looked at your, have you ever looked at your money and thought to yourself, "I don't have enough. I don't even know what I spent my money on. It certainly wasn't PS2 games. I don't know where all my money went, right? And so at the end of the day, you're looking at your money, you're like, "Where did it go?" Perhaps where it went is it got consumed. It, it became consumed, because God says, his dollar, his 10th is con- is destined to be consumed or burned up in the kingdom work of God. And we're gonna talk about what that means. But let's imagine that you actually took the tithe and you separated it out to be burned up in the kingdom work of God. Instead of hiding it amongst your own money, you actually separated it out. Then it, it would burn over here, right? It would be completely separate. It would burn up without affecting your resources at all. And so that's what you have to decide. Like, are you going to take the tithe, and are you going to hide it and act like this is mine, God's never going to notice the difference, or are you going to separate it out from your own resources and allow it to be consumed in the kingdom work of God? (sighs) That's a slow burn over there. It's real slow. Should have put more lighter fluid on that. Okay, Malachi 3 in the Bible, beginning in verse 8, it says this, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And this is God's response. He says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. God wants us to understand that if we want to live a blessed life, we have to separate out the tenth that is holy and sacred and destined to be consumed by the kingdom work. We have to separate that out from our resources. And if you've ever looked at your wallet or your bank account or your Venmo and been like, I have no idea where my money has gone, the question I ask you is, did you hide the tithe among your own resources? And if you did, just know you will feel like you never, ever have enough. But if you separate out the tithe, you'll be able to be blessed and protected in some pretty cool ways that we're gonna get into in a few minutes. People wonder, what, what happens to the money that's given to the local church? Where does it go and how is it spent? And there are several instructions that we can find in the Bible about what is the purpose and how is the tithe spent? So when you give... Money to 4640s offering drop boxes, or you give money to Fellowship Church or any local church, what you're doing is you're helping pay the expenses of the gospel being preached. You're saying it matters to me that people all over the world and in my local community hear about Jesus. It matters to me, so I'm going to help pay the bills to keep the lights on, to make sure the gospel is preached to all people around the world. So here at Fellowship Church, for example, we pay our own bills to preach the gospel right here in Mesa County with tithes. We also pay with tithes. we pay the bills of other churches. There's, there's churches around the world that Fellowship Church sponsors and gets behind, and some of the tithe money goes to that. Another purpose of the tithe money is that it actually goes to support the poor among us. So there are poor people within our church family that we bless and help provide for, provide resources for single moms, and also around the world. So if you've never heard, there's a mission called Convoy of Hope and we write them a check every single week. And the idea of Convoy of Hope is they go wherever the latest crisis is And they connect with local people there, and they start ministering to the needs. So when a hurricane hits, they go to that town, say Houston, a couple years ago, devastated by a hurricane. Convoy of Hope arrives with semi-trucks of washing machines to help people wash clothes, brand new clothes, food, food. Everything that's needed, practical things, school supplies for kids to get back in school. They just show up on the scene. They pitch tents in parks. They help people provide shelter. They get all these things organized. So one of the things we do every single week is we write a check there, and then we write a check to our local poor through the homeless shelter and Catholic charities and then other direct poor within our own church family. So that's what happens, and that's why all of us together have to say, "I." the kingdom work of God matters to me. I care about other people hearing about God, I care about the poor and the broken around me, but maybe I don't really have time to figure out who those all are, that's what the local church helps you funnel, those resources there. But the Bible says that if we don't, if we're not a part of separating out from our own resources what is God's, what is holy and sacred, then the truth is we're going to be under a curse, and that curse is going to always make it feel like there's not enough, that there's not enough. So... I've been tithing since I was 15 years of age, and at first it was easy, because I only had like 10 bucks here and there, so it's like throw a buck in the offering, throw two bucks in the offering, it's like I got 20 bucks, right? But when I got my first job, it was 11 bucks that I was tithing, and as I got more and more paychecks, those numbers keep going up, and I think that's why it's so important to think about this and make a decision as a teenager to decide. I'm going to follow the word of God, and I'm going to choose to give my money in a tithe, every time I get paid because I wanna be under God's protection. So that's what I did. Sometimes people think if I do that, I'm never gonna get what I want. But as a teenager, what I wanted the most was a car, right? How many of you are saving for a car, hoping for a car, dreaming of a car, currently driving a car that you wanna upgrade, right? Like we all want, or maybe a truck, right? But we're all kinda saving for that in this, this season of our life. So at 15, I started tithing. That was my biggest desire, that I that I wanted God to like, uh, somehow I need to get enough money for a car. I'm gonna tell you something that's kind of crazy, and I don't know, if you become a tither, I don't know how God will choose to bless you. There's all different ways, but what God did for me is I was outright given my very first car. I was also given my free and clear, my second car, my third car, my fourth car, my fifth car, and my sixth car, Six cars in a row were just given to me. And the first one was sketchy, I'm not going to lie. But the last one was was a two-year-old Jeep Wrangler. I mean, a really sweet car. Lifted Jeep, bigger tires, all kinds of cool stuff. But each time God blessed me and poured this out on me, I recognized that that blessing was a result of the fact that God had taught me the importance of tithing. So my
1: tithing story looks a little bit different from Pastor J.L.'s. although I started tithing around the same time as her. I was 16 when I paid my first check to tithe. Now it was different because J.L. did it out of the goodness of her heart. She was being obedient to the Lord. I was forced, I was dragged, kicking and screaming to tithe out of my first paycheck. Now when this happened, my dad was really, really encouraging me. He was the one that was kind of forcing me, but up until that point, I had a pretty bad attitude about it. And so the whole story starts in September of 2014. I was a junior and I had been 16 for one month. I had had my license for one month and I had gotten to drive my car for one month. Then exactly on that day, Something happened that taught me a lesson that I would continue to learn for the rest of my life. I was 16 years old. I was at the Junction Fruita game, okay? Uh, Fruita one. by the way. I'm just, I'm just saying that did happen. Uh, it, was my, it was my junior year, and I was driving home from the football game. Now, just to be clear, I was not under the influence of any drugs or any alcohol. I feel that that needs to be said in this day and age. However... I was high on the feeling of driving your own car and the freedom that comes with that. When you are driving your car for the first month, it is like you're invincible. It is like you are on top of the world. You don't have your mother next to you telling you what speed limit to go, grabbing the crap bar or braking for you. It's the best feeling in the world. So I'm driving home from this football game, I'm a junior, I'm super cool, and I'm about three minutes away from my home. Do you think I'm going the speed limit? No, I wasn't, no, I'm just kidding, I was not going the speed limit. I was going, I don't wanna say, I don't wanna say how fast I was going. No, because my dad still doesn't know. He still doesn't know, okay? Okay, so I was going a certain amount over the speed limit. Pastor Jail will tell him, okay? It would be very bad for me. He still thinks it was a deer. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't. He knows the truth, okay? I was going over the speed limit, and I looked down at my phone because the right song wasn't playing, okay? It wasn't hype enough. It wasn't reflecting my mood. So I'm skipping songs, you know, I'm checking up, I'm checking up, I'm checking up. In the three seconds it takes to find the right song, which I won't tell you the title of either either, I end up swerving just slightly off the road, just slightly. Now, just a little bit. Being a new driver, I had no skills. So I look up, see that my car is here, it should be here, and I overcorrect so bad to the point that my vehicle flips three times in the air going uphill going uphill. Gravity was against me. And this seems so, so funny because I'm standing before here now, but look at my car. That's what it looked like. That's what it looked like. Now I lasted longer than Pastor JL, more than 24 hours of having my driver's license, so that was good. But I certainly was not winning in this moment. My car flipped three times. I was three minutes away from my neighborhood. And I look back at that and I say, I could have died. Like I'm being completely serious. Yes, it absolutely sucked that my vehicle looked like that, but I walked out of that car accident without a scratch on me. I didn't even have whiplash from the car accident. Now, I look at that now. Back then I just thought, oh, well, I'm lucky. Now I know that it was by the grace of God that not only am I standing here today, but I'm not hurt, damaged in any single way. I know that God had sent his angels to protect me that night, and that they wrapped around me as my car was flying into the air. I know that he protected me because his book promises over and over again that this is the case. It says in Psalm 138 7a, though I walk, or in this case, drive, in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Does it say that about the car though? No, my life was lucky, but my car was not. It was not under the protection of the Lord. Now it could have been. The Lord could have been protecting my car had I been tithing, but I was not tithing at this point. Every single paycheck that I had made, which I had made quite a few, was going towards my car and my shoes not a dollar of it was spent on tithing to the lord and because of this god promised to protect me but he was not protecting my investments it says in malachi 3:10 through 11 bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house test me in this. This is the only time in the Bible where God says to test him. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I will rebuke the devourer, for your sake, so he will stop the devil, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. So this verse is promising. It says, if you bring the tithe to the storehouse, if you bring the tithe to the church, I will, one, protect it, and I will, two, bless you to where you are overflowing opening the floodgates of heaven upon you. How many would you like to have the floodgates of heaven opened upon you? And I will protect your investments, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for your field. So it's saying, I will protect the things that you choose to invest in. So I want us to look at it like this. Luckily, we get to play with more fire tonight, which is very, very exciting. Us pyros in here, we love this. So When we choose to not tithe, our money ends up looking like whatever's in this tray. It's burnt up, it's gone, it disappears in a second. Like Pastor JL says, we have no idea what happens to our money. It is not protected. So the enemy has open access to your money. It's as if he's gone and gotten like a hunting tag for your money. He can do whatever he wants to, it: steal, kill, and destroy. But if you are under the protection of the Lord, as these verses are talking about, if you decide to tithe, you're putting yourself in his protection so that when the fire comes, which it will, he says, I got you, you're good. That fire can't touch your money or any of your investments. I will protect you and I will protect them as well. These are the promises of our father. So many people come up to me and they say, you know, I would tithe, but I just can't afford to. And to them, I would say, you can't afford not to tithe because the protection is so important because his favor upon you is so so important and that is the lesson that i learned that night in my car was if i I would be protected, my body would be, but I would never be until I decided that I was going to tithe. Now, at first, this didn't hit me immediately because back then my head was real, real thick, but my dad made sure that he taught me this lesson. And as I said, he dragged me, kicking and screaming, to this church. He he put me in his car. There was no, it wasn't forceful or anything, but he was forceful with his words. Let's just say that. And he drove me to this church, and he sat there and watched me write a check for the tithe, 10% of my paycheck. And he walked me over to the tithing box because he was that afraid that I was gonna rip up the check and walk away. And he said, Madeline, you are going to tithe every single month for the rest of your life. You do not have a choice. You are not going to get away with something like what happened the other night again. You are going to be a tither, and you are going to have the blessings of the Lord because of it. Now, at that point, he was my employer. I had no choice. To this day, he's still my employer. Okay, it's a little bit awkward. But now, back then, I was like, fine, I'll do it if you're going to force me today. I can't wait to write the check to the church every month because I know the blessings are gonna come. Now it's like I go to Chick-fil-A and if I don't get a free survey, I'm like, what, did I not tithe this month? Let me double check, okay? The favor is so, so real and since that day, I am rushing to tithe because of the obedience, because of the sacrifice, because also I know that I can't afford not to. My husband and I, we got married at a pretty young age And the number one concern of every single person that we talk to about it, because everybody's got their opinions, okay? The number one concern was, how are you going to pay for things? You are both so, so young. I was a full-time college student. Do you know how much money I made as a full-time college student? Negative money. Negative money. Yeah, I made nothing. My husband was a farmer. (laughs) They don't make a lot of money okay, they work hard, they don't make a lot. How were we going to survive? It was seriously a moment where they said, you will be destitute, but somehow God provided. We always had a roof over our head. We always had food on the table for our dogs and for us. And now at 23 years old, we've now owned not one, but two houses. We've been homeowners twice. That doesn't happen very often. It's not because of anything that we've done. It's not because we've worked really, really hard, but we have. But it's because of the protection and the favor of God is upon our lives. We are not only surviving, we are thriving. And that's because of the Lord. It says in Luke 6, 38, give and you will receive your gifts will return to you in full pressed down shaken together for to make room for more running over poured into your lap the amount you give will determine the amount You get back. So give. Give and you will receive. Give with a grateful heart because it says right there, the amount that you give determines the amount that you will get back. You guys, you can't afford not to. You can't afford not to have his favor, his protection, and his blessing upon your life. And if you step out in faith in this way, he says test him in this. He will bring blessing after blessing after blessing onto your life. And so you may be asking the practical question of how. Not all of us have checkbooks. None of us have um, bank accounts and that's totally fine. None of us have jobs and that's fine. If you make some money mowing grandma's lawn or whatever it is, you just tithe 10% of that. Even if it's just a dollar and you think this won't make a difference, it will because it's obedience and it's sacrifice to the Lord and he will protect you and he will provide for you. If you have a part-time job tithe, tithe on that money. Even if it seems like a lot, you can't afford not to. Some ways that you can do it are the church center app. You download it. You literally type that into the app center store, church center. You download it. It tells you fellowship church on there. You just type that in fellowship church grand junction and you just enter in your bank, bank account number. I'd say it takes five minutes. Then you never have to do it again. And every single month or every single week, whatever it is, you enter in your tithe 10% of whatever you make. Super, super easy. You can even set it up to reoccurring payments each month. If you don't have a bank account, that's totally fine. We have boxes here that say offering or tithing on either side of the bleachers. You can put it in a tithing envelope if you want to. You can just stick the cash or the check or whatever it is into the offering box. And the second that you do, your money will be under the Lord's protection. Those are the practical ways. If you have more questions, let us know. We'd love to help you. But what I feel led to do in this moment is just have everybody close your eyes right now in this moment just close your eyes for a second and I want you within your own heart to just ask Jesus just ask is it time for me to start tithing is this something that you want me to do and if you're hearing the words no right now it's probably not from the Lord (laughs) I'll be honest with you it's probably from yourself It's probably from the enemy saying, oh, you're too young. You can do it next year. It's lies. Why would you want to wait another year for blessing and protection? And now I want you to think, okay, what am I going to tithe? Am I going to tithe on my paycheck? Am I going to tithe on my allowance? Am I going to tithe on my raking leaves money, whatever it is? Or maybe you have literally no money to give whatsoever. You can tithe your time. You can say, I want to give 10% of my day to Jesus. I want to spend 10% of my day today talking to him, worshiping him, praying to him. He might not be able to bless your finances yet, but he can bless your time, He can protect your time. So with every head bowed, every eye still closed, let's just pray to him now, dear Jesus, we want to be followers of you. We want to be obedient and we want to sacrifice, but also we need your protection and we need your promise that you're going to come through for us if we choose right now to step out in faith. And we know that you're going to come through for us because you are a good, good father and your promises always, always, always ring true. Your track record proves it. Your word proves it. The fact that we're here today proves it. And so I just pray just for a spirit, i just being brave right now to come over each and every one of us, silence the lies of the enemy and encourage these people in this room tonight to become tithers every single month for the rest of their lives. We thank you in advance for the blessings and the protection that they're gonna see and we love you so, so much. It's in your precious name that we pray, everybody says, Amen.